Welcome back, everybody. I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with somebody who is a friend of one of my dear friends and who decided to appear on the show partially because uh, he was on my show. Uh, please welcome to the program director, actor, and all sorts of wonderful Elise Robertson. Hey there, everyone. Hello, hello. Um, the friend that I'm referring to is uh, Thomas Capacci, who uh, just had a birthday. It was his birthday this Saturday, so uh, happy uh, birthday again, Thomas, if you're watching this. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Tom. Okay. So uh, let's let's find out first. How uh, how do you know Tom? I think you've worked uh, together. Oh, yeah, Tom and I were in a theater company together for years, and um, we did plays together, and we did a lot of scene work together, and hung out together. Um, that was when he was in LA. He lives in New York now, so I actually haven't seen him in a long time, and I miss him. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's a just a just cares so much about the craft of acting, and I just loved every time we'd work on a scene, we'd just really get into the weeds and and. Um, talking about the character and the story and the world and all the good juicy stuff. That's perfect. He's he's literally one of the nicest, most gentlest, kindest human beings I've ever met. So I yeah. I, yeah. I, I I'm blessed uh, to have him in my life. Um, <laughs> okay. So in terms of uh, in terms of what you have done with your career and uh, and you went to uh, uh, you went to college right here. Uh, about 25 minutes away from where I live. I live in the northwest side of Chicago, and right. you went northwestern, one of my favorite schools. Yeah. Um, what uh, what led you to northwestern? I, I don't think you're from Chicago. If, I'm not. I'm from Pittsburgh, and um, as I I um, as I was sort of looking around at different schools, um, and I even though I my major did not start out as theater because um, my parents weren't super psyched about it. So, um, but still, I think in the back of my mind, all of the schools that I was looking at closely all had good theater departments. So, um, so the pretense was that I was coming to Northwestern to study international relations, but about uh, midway through my freshman year, I just slipped over into the theater department and the rest is history. But, but yeah, so I, I had looked at Carnegie Mellon which is in Pittsburgh, and my dad went to Carnegie Tech. Um, and so for exactly those two reasons, I didn't want to go there because I wanted to I wanted to get far away from home. Um, and so I was just really impressed with Northwestern when I came to visit, um, mm. just the, the campus, the vibe, and definitely the theater department, even though I wasn't technically a theater major. Well, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that uh, changed. Uh, and in terms of uh, your parents, I know you mentioned that they weren't really keen on you uh, being a theater kid. How did you use your international relations uh, semester to convince them of your uh, change? You know, they never said I couldn't. I just knew. I I just knew that that wasn't what they were hoping for and and once i got here and and don't get me wrong i i still i still love current events and i love history and i'm involved politically and all of that stuff i find really fascinating and i um i just sort of had this awakening that for me the best way that i could be a force for good in the world 
wasn't actually through politics, but through art. And and I and I actually had that awakening twice because because there was that fall at Northwestern when I switched into the theater department, and then after I graduated, I moved to San Francisco and and um, and I didn't go into the arts right away. I got a job at the Environmental Protection Agency, and I was doing some work for them. And and again, I was like I was sort of getting into the weeds, into the politics of it, and I. I was working in the department I was in was um, all about hazardous waste. And um, and I was seeing all these files of like horrible environmental spills and, and just destruction and wreckage. And as a government employee, I wasn't allowed to even talk about them. A lot of them were confidential. I wasn't able to, like I felt like I wasn't really able to do anything. <laughs> Yeah, and I saw Aaron Brockovich, and I was like, "Ah, this is what I want to do. I want to make the movie mm -hmm. and get the word out that way." So, so yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, and again, I, I keep on thinking of your parents. So uh, went one way, changed her mind, graduated right. with that, and went back. Okay, sure. All right, she changed. No, no, no. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so. In, interesting process. Um, I have a 16-year-old daughter, so we're we're about to go through uh, those experiences and seeing, you know, what she's going to be choosing. Um, we'll find out. She right. is a she is a theater kid. Um, okay. We're having discussions. I do not want her to uh, to go undergrad for uh, for acting. Uh -huh. um, so we'll we'll see. I think her idea is that she's going to go for marketing. She's going to go for PR. And then uh, she wants to be in a place where she can continue doing some theater, just uh -huh. not as a major. So I'm okay there, but yeah. I know what that likely entails. So we'll we'll have to keep things. Um, you know, kids, people are going to be who they need to be. So yeah. it's true. It's true. Um, and, you know, myself, uh, having changed careers many times, it, it's hard for me to be that other uh, person who says to my daughter, no, you can't. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm finding ways uh, around uh, trying to explain something, but we'll see how it works. Or yeah, my, yeah. my daughter, one of my daughters, I have, I have two, my 14-year-old uh, is, uh, she just entered the high school for the arts and dance. So she, um, she wants to be a dancer, so you know I I feel like I can hardly say no, not that I would, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's very interesting uh, again, kind of you know growing up and having our own experiences and making our own decisions and wanting to have the ability to make them, and then becoming a parent and <laughs> going the other way of saying, hmm, I know what this life potentially is like if you choose this route. I'm not sure that I want to have that for you, so. Right. You know, learning as we grow. Um, okay, so you uh, you went back into the arts, but uh, you didn't start out directing or acting. You started out uh, doing some work uh, kind of on the background, if you will. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how kind of careers get started. And you were on uh, Tim Burton's, uh, and what was the the title? What was the work that you were doing? I, I had written it. Yeah. Say that again. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas is the name of the movie. 
Right, but what were you doing there? What was your oh, responsibility? what was my job? Um, I was a, I was a character fabricator. So yeah, so I worked in the the puppet department, and and um, I worked on all of the puppets. My primary job was painting, um, mm -hmm. so that was my that was my specialty, and so I spent a lot of time in a spray booth um, doing airbrushing, you know, with like full mask or forced air suit. Um, and I would get the, you know, I would get the puppets sort of after they'd been um, molded, they would mm. be just, just sort of this cream colored thing and they would come to me and then I would, I would put the paint effect on them to give them their clothing and, and everything else. I, I find, and again, this is likely how my brain works, but I just find a lot of irony having to come from EPA and now you have to put a hazmat suit in order to have your job. Well, it was funny, yeah, because I went directly from one job to the other. I was I was working at, and it was I, I was actually a contractor to the EPA, but for all intents and purposes, I, I worked for the EPA. And then I got an internship on the Nightmare Before Christmas, mm -hmm. and um, and then somebody got fired, and they sort of turned to me and were like, "Do you do you want this job? Do you you know do you know how to airbrush?" And I was like, "Yeah," even though I didn't, and. Um, and 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 so I started. So I had to quit my job at EPA, and it actually put me in really good stead at um, at Nightmare Before Christmas because I actually knew what the chemicals were that I was using, and mm -hmm. I knew to be I knew to be worried, and I knew how to read the the um, the MSDS sheets, the the material safety and data sheets that tell you what's in the chemical, how it's dangerous, why it's dangerous. So I was able to protect myself. So I think it actually, yeah, it wasn't great to be working with those products, but I knew how to be careful, so. That's nice. And then uh, I think, uh, again, um, that led to another project in which you were not in front of the camera, uh, and then you kind of started doing more acting. How did the you getting into acting actually happen? Oh, okay. Let's. <laughs> so I was so I was on that show, and then I moved on to another show called Bump in the Night, which was a Saturday morning cartoon show. And at that show, I got promoted to first an first animator, which is a form of acting, and then to the uh, the head of the art department. So I was basically as head of the art department, I was managing all of the creation of all of the puppets and all of the props. And so I was. Um, I was really sort of organizing a lot of a good portion of the crew on the show. Um, and, and like, turns out I was pretty good at scheduling and organizing and sort of thinking through things in a big picture way. Mm -hmm. So when the director producers of the show, they got some side jobs coming into the studio for video games and they did not have time to direct them themselves. And so they, they knew that I had a background in acting and directing and so they just they were they were sort of like well she's already like she already knows everybody's schedule and she already knows how to direct we should just have her direct this video game and that's how it started and um and then after a while i decided i liked that so much that i i wrote a screenplay for something for me to direct and then i then i quit my job and went and and directed the show that, yeah, uh, yeah. Even before you mentioned directing, just by the virtue of what you were doing, 
uh, I was going to respond of it makes sense how you went into directing. And they obviously thought the same by asking you to, to <laughs> direct an episode. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's sort of that like directing is sort of you you get into this like big picture, little picture mindset where you're always having to think about like the the how the whole how the whole show goes together and then the minutiae of completing little bits and pieces of it. And and um and that was something that I really loved, you know, and I think that and that's still what I love the most about directing is sort of going from big picture to minutia, big picture to minutia, and, and always keeping the, what's it about, the tone, the feel, the story in mind, jumping yeah. in between, you know. And then how did the, because you know, again, some of your films deal with uh, the horror genre. So how did that uh, come about? Is this a genre that you were interested in before or was it a project base and it just happened that way? Yeah, kind of. Um, it was actually, it was my husband's fault because um, <laughs> I, I had directed the, the two films that I had directed previous were both period dramas. They were uh, based on uh, short stories that I had adapted um, mm -hmm. and and he was looking to produce a film and he's a he's a writer by trade and um and just in in his investigation of what kind of what genres are good for indie mm. producers and directors horror is the genre that's that you can really go out and you can make a movie without a ton oh and tom capacci is in the movie that i did by the way he plays nice character in Donner Pass, the, the feature. Um, so yeah, that's how we ended up, that's how we ended up doing a horror film. And, and actually like he had a script that a friend of his had written. And when I read the script, I, I really fell in love with the story. And it was, you know, for me, it's not my go-to genre, but, but it's a very compelling genre if the story is really about something meaningful. You know, and and it's a great horror can be incredibly meaningful, given that it deals with our elemental fears. Mm -hmm. You know, and and um, and I really liked the script, and so I said sure. And it had a period drama element to it. That's the part Tom was in. He was in the um, the Donner Pass eighteen sixty nine i think it is that the the donner party uh part of the movie so hmm. that's interesting and then uh did the uh directing projects kind of start uh start to happen i'm still trying to kind of get uh the when you started acting when did I start acting um yeah so what happened was it so i had directed a couple of things that and i was in san francisco at the time that's where i was working on uh all of the the nightmare before christmas and bump in the night and the video games and where i directed my first two films that ended up on pbs um and um and so i and i did another television show called Adventures with Kangarati, which was also for PBS. Um, that was like a regional children's television show. And so I had sort of maxed out my potential in the regional directing market. And so I wanted to move to LA to start directing um, like episodic television was 
was my thought process. Um, and, and as I was moving to LA, I thought to myself, why not jump back into acting? I mean, that's what I studied four years in college and, um, and LA is the place to do it. And so I had a friend of mine shoot some headshots for me before I, uh, before I left San Francisco. And then when I moved to LA, I thought, you know, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll just try everything. Um, and it turned out I ended up getting an agent for commercials, like within the three, first three months that I was here in LA mm -hmm. and, um, and started going out on commercial auditions immediately. Um, and just like a, a lot, I was, I was in my thirties at the time. So I was sort of in this commercial sweet spot of, of mom, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was going out a lot and, and I think I booked my first commercial within six months and then started really booking regularly and boom, I was an actor. And then I got into classes. I got into the theater company that I was in with Tom, um, which was then called Circus Theatricals. Now is called New American, which I'm still a part of. Um, and, you know, just started really, I just sort of really dove full into acting because I was enjoying it so much. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then, then sort of veered back after I was doing pretty much only acting for about five years. Then at the theater company, the the um, the artistic director there was like, "Do you want to direct a Do you want to direct a a short play?" Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, okay." And then next was like, "Do you want to teach an acting class?" Like, oh, okay. And then next, do you want to direct a a full length play? And then I, I think it was a, probably by by about two thousand six or seven, I was directing more than I was acting again, yeah. at least like on my free time. And then I was still doing primarily commercials where my, my, uh, how I was making my living. Interesting. So no, uh, no kind of outside the industry job you were, you know, commercials were paying the way and then you were doing acting and directing. I had a lot of little ones. I, um, I worked as an assistant editor for a long time and that was great because, um, because I could do it in the middle of the night. And it was, so it was perfect. You know what I mean? Well, it was perfect for an actor, you know, cause it, cause yeah, once yeah. I got the, once I got the commercial agent and they were actually sending me out, I mean, that's like a full-time job. If you're really going out, it was, yeah. you know, it was some days it was like two to three auditions a day. And so you're running all over town during the day. Mm. Um, so if you want to have another job, it's gotta be, you know, the, the options are limited and I didn't, I didn't want to wait tables. I did that all through college. Um, mm -hmm. and so the assistant editing was great because I knew how to edit from having done the, my other films. And so I would go in, you know, sometimes 10 o'clock at night and start and just be digitizing footage for, uh, for reality television shows. So I made some money that way. I did tutoring. I taught English as a second language for a while. Um, so just little bits and pieces until I would say by, yeah, maybe by around 2007 or eight, I was feeling pretty confident in my ability to make a living in commercials strictly. Gotcha. And um, when did you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> You know that that's funny you ask that because not yeah not a lot back in those days I had 
a lot of energy. <laughs> a lot of energy. These days, these days, in my elder years, sleep has become much more important. And I, I really try to not overburden myself with uh, too many tasks at once. I try. <laughs> yeah, uh, because directing is uh, is very, I mean, acting as well, but directing is very taxing in terms of just mental. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime I'd be, anytime I was directing a play, I was probably doing, you know, two to three hours of prep during the day before every rehearsal, you know, yeah. and, and I mean, acting as well, but it's just not the same because, you know, acting, you're not always in every scene, you know, mm -hmm. so you, you can you don't have quite the same commitment you know yeah and it's a long day but you're it's it's up and down right. uh, directing is non-stop uh before during and after yeah yeah totally and have you uh had instances where you were directing uh something and you were in uh the you know in the project as an actress as well I've only done that a couple of times. Mm -hmm. It's pretty challenging. Um, and, and there's a lot to, there's a lot to think about when you do that. I've, I shouldn't say I've only done it a couple of times. I've done it a bunch of times now. Um, uh, I, I, I've done it with a bunch of sketch comedy, um, some things for the web. I did something called the PTA rap, which was really fun, which was a, a two day shoot. Then I played the lead, but I also directed it. Um, I had a series called mommy, tell me a story, which was a, a silly thing that I did with my daughters that was sort of warped fairy tales uh, about the, the difficulties of parenting. Um, yeah. And and actually, right now I am working on a um, I'm working on a, a solo performance piece about Rachel Carson, the environmentalist, that mm. I am writing and sort of figuring out how to bring to life and will be performing. So so that's just a matter of like changing hats. For me, the mm. trickier part. I find is directing other actors when I'm also acting with them mm -hmm. because I never want an actor that I'm working with to feel like I'm in charge of them <laughs> you know what I mean because mm -hmm. I because there's this you always want to create this beautiful like safe environment where everyone can feel creative and feel heard and um and there's not a hierarchy um and and when you're directing i mean you have sort of by definition you have to sort of be on a different hierarchy hierarchical level um just because someone has to make the final decisions um so what so that i think is the trickiest part you know is is how to make how to make the other actors that I'm working with feel at ease and not like I'm judging them or stepping on their toes, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, and again, the, the reason why I bring this up is because I've had, you know, actors who directed and then they were in the projects and some refused to do that because it's, you know, it's too many hats to wear and some did it and they, you know, did small parts uh, to kind of allow themselves more, more freedom. From my perspective, it's uh, I want to work with a director because I have my idea of what I think I uh, I want to do, 
but I'm not exactly sure how that translates on camera. So I want to work with somebody who, you know, together we can find that right uh, mix. Right. You are both at the same time. Yeah. I want to have a kind of a co-director when you're acting to kind of uh, help yeah. you and then you switch into the director mode. So how do, how do you go about it? Yeah, I mean, I yes, 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 yes. Um, I, I did do one play where I played one of the leads and I had another very dear friend who played the same part. Hmm. So we traded back and forth and okay. primarily in while we were rehearsing, she generally played the part and we did the blocking with her in the part and we talked about the character and I sort of just was the director. And then when it was time, you know, I, I allowed myself a, a few rehearsals to step into it. Yeah. Um, but all of the other actors had had done the primary rehearsals with Susan in the part. It worked out okay, I think, you know. Um, it, I didn't get as much time as as maybe would have been ideal to embody the part but because i was directing it i feel like directing and acting acting really do feed each other which is one of the reasons i love to direct and also to teach because i feel like my acting chops get better when i do those things so it worked out i i think i haven't done other than the sketches i haven't like i haven't ever done i, I didn't play a part in the feature that i directed um and now this solo performance piece, it's only me. So so that eliminates the problem of right. <laughs> other actors. So in terms of me directing a project where I play a part for film, I, I think it can work. I think it just is going to require a lot of transparency. Mm -hmm. And I think it's go going to require a, more time because mm -hmm. and this is something i am used to now when i self-tape i do this a lot is you know I'll, I'll take a crack at something and then i'll watch the tape and sort of direct give myself direction um some actors are for me that works well like i'm able to i'm able to jump outside and and look at what i'm seeing and go how can you know what's working what's not working and then do that working backwards process to get back in and and like what have i not discovered yet yeah fix this so i i think it might be really important to have other actors that also are able to work in that way so yeah, that we could try something watch it together and go and then talk about it and process it and give it another shot. No, it, it could create a more collaborative uh, atmosphere, which uh, right. I, I a lot of actors want anyway. Um, yeah, and which I love. I, I love the process of collaboration. And, and even though I usually come with some pretty strong ideas, I'm mm -hmm. like, the, the, my favorite thing in the world is when like somebody has a better idea than mine. Good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's it. Thank yeah. you. You know, that's why collaboration is so amazing because, you know, you get 10 people in a room and you're bound to have a better outcome mm -hmm. if everybody's listening to each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, one of your scene mates, uh, you know, Jason Bateman was, uh, you know, had to kind of wear both hats uh, yeah. from a restaurant. If, if yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, um, had to wear both hats in Ozark, uh, where you know he he I think he directed the first two and the last two, uh, and he didn't want to direct all of them because you know he's he needed to act and he's one of the main characters there. So um, yeah, it's it's not an easy thing to do. Um, yeah, and he's ama he's amazing, by the way. I have one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite celebrity stories is Jason Bateman when when we were doing Arrested Development, and I was just I was just a tiny part. They literally called me. I didn't even audition for that. They just called me the night before the shoot, and they were like, "We added this hostess character. Do you want to do it?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> um, and and so. Uh, so when we were going over to set over at the where were we was it the sony i don't remember um we we rode the little golf cart over to set together and he was sort of like unconcernedly looking at his lines and he was like oh i'm off camera for most of this and mm -hmm. uh and then we get there and the ad says hi to us and and he says that same he was like oh i'm off i'm off camera for most of this right and and the ad was like oh no we're filming it all and he and he he just like it was like twenty pages, oh and he's like, oh, he was like, fuck me. <laughs> Sorry, are we allowed to swear on this show? Yeah, like, <laughs> and then he just he was just like, I I need twenty minutes, and he just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. way that show works, they shot like um, it was like tw it was like twenty pages of stuff, and they just had all the cameras set up. And like I had no scripted dialogue at all, but um, but you know the director was sort of like you just interact, you know when he comes over just to ask him, yeah. you know try to keep him, you know I had tasks I was meant to keep him from getting upstairs, right? So mm -hmm. but he had all this dialogue that he had not memorized, oh and sure God. enough, twenty minutes later when the cameras were ready to roll, he had his lines down. Wow! I was like that that is a professional actor you know like yeah. he just <sighs> impressive really impressive yeah I, really too. yeah I, I enjoy his work a lot he's uh yeah. he knows who he is he knows the types of roles that work well for him he knows uh kind of what his sweet spot is and he continues to uh you know to utilize it and great. yeah and just a great sense of vulnerability that's what uh, like you can always see him he's such a good listener you know just see him taking stuff in but so subtle you know um and and you know that process of taking it in and making the decision and then acting you know you really see that on his face he and laura linney both in that show i mean my god laura is amazing uh yeah. one of my favorite actresses absolutely um yeah. any stories about laura yeah <laughs> Uh, I, I have never, um, I have never worked with her, although I would love to, um, but I hear she's a real, um, she's a real stickler for her research and really does her script analysis and, um, and that's how I work as well. So, um, yeah. Well, and that, uh, that's a great transition because, uh, you teach acting and I wanted to ask you what, what that you have found because you're an actress, you're a director. Um, what have you found that works on set as opposed to just, you know, a lot of information that we learn as actors going through all, all of the different approaches? What have you found that you were able to kind of crystallize in your teaching? Um, 
understanding your character's values, I think, is the most important thing. Um, so, so you need to um, just there, like what you know. We all have a moral compass. We all have a set of values that we live our lives by, and yeah. um, and and that that motivate everything we do, how we are in the world, how we respond to things, how we act, the decisions mm -hmm. that we make. And so, if you can. If you can sort of start by figuring out what a character's value system is, what is important to them, what is what do they need, what are they willing to die for, mm -hmm. what are they willing to stand up for, um, where are they willing to, you know, what would be make them break the law, you know, like if you can figure out why, what they care about, and and what matters, then you'll have a strong footing for every decision that they make. So so values, I think, is super important when you're doing character analysis, trying to figure out um, who they are and what they want. Um, and then just in terms of, from a practical standpoint, um, where things change, transition moments. And every, of course, every scene has an arc, right? There, a scene wouldn't be in a show, a play, unless something changed, right? So what changes in the scene from the beginning to the end, and how is your character involved in that change? So if you're a co-star and you're coming onto the set, probably your change doesn't really matter. There may be one, but it really yeah. isn't what is important. Mm -hmm. You're there to serve the the needs of the the main characters, so you need to know, like, are you are you helping them or are you hurting them, and 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 do that, you know, to make the show work. Um, but if if you are, you know, if if it is your character that is changing, um, either way, you need to know what the trends, where things change in the scene, because for every for every scene, there's a big change. For every moment, there's you something happens, you listen, you take it in, and then you decide what to do. And every action is based on a decision that comes from listening. So it's those, it's the moments of listening and deciding that are the most exciting moments, I think. And I always, this is one thing I always tell my actors, it's not the words, it's not the it's not the words that you say. It's the decision to say the words. It's the thought process that went into what the words are. And so, if you're not really engaged in that thought process, if you skip that part, which is the most common thing that newer actors do, yeah. is they they just want to say their lines and they don't realize that every line they say comes from hearing deciding and then speaking um yeah. and that the first two things are more interesting than the last thing mm -hmm. so that's it like it like know what your know what the transitions are and where things shift and and that um so knowing that in your bones and then just from a technical standpoint and i think this comes somewhat from my directing mm -hmm. you as the actor can help the director by doing little physical things to help sell those transitions sometimes. 
and it's some and when you're on set it often like it's different with every set but with television there's not a lot of prep time right so it's yeah. you come in you get maybe one rehearsal and then you're shooting right and and in the rehearsal the crew's all watching you and you're setting your blocking maybe the director gives it to you or maybe you're setting it yourself often they're like do whatever you feel and <laughs> and that's you have this like 10 minute window to like make all of the decisions because mm -hmm. once you set the blocking you can't really change it because they're setting up their camera shots based on those decisions that you make so you need to understand that scene well enough so that you can do things like decide when you're going to like move into a close-up because this is so important i should i should be close to camera or when you could like look away or you know just little things you don't want it to be false you don't want it to be staged so it has to be based on the values and all the other good stuff yeah but those little things i mean camera bl blocking for camera stuff like yeah. like looks away like looking into space a shift in shift out all that stuff is re can be critically important mm -hmm. in camera in a way that it isn't on stage so oh my gosh i just i just puked up a whole bunch of information <laughs> sorry <laughs> no 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 um it was it was uh, <clears throat> very valuable, actually, uh, because I remember specifically watching House of Cards, and um, uh, in the kind of beginning, maybe uh, you know, first and second season of it, and um, seeing um, seeing the main character, whose name escapes me at the moment, but uh, we all you know know who we're talking about. Um, realizing that his value system is he does not believe in god he does not believe in uh you know multiple lives he just believes that this is his life he's going to live it to the fullest and it doesn't matter you know if he has to kill somebody he's going to kill somebody if he has to poison them he will you know he's going to do it because you know this is his and immediately i recognized oh so he based on his value system is going to do abc where it's completely different because my expectations were oh my god he would never do this Yes, he would, because his value system is this. And once you realize that, it becomes a lot easier to understand who the character is and what they're capable of. So for me, it was a very clear kind of a, uh, it turned me off to the character <laughs> in terms right. of the, the awful person that he was. But um, it also was a great acting lesson of, okay, I, I, I would not have thought that way, but having done the work that you were just mentioning, it makes everything very different and it allows you to again disassociate from you and be that person because their value system is their value system right and you have to find as an actor it's your job to find ways mm -hmm. to to love and like get into the mindset of your character because you can't if you're judging them you can't do a performance so mm -hmm. if the value system is different and mm -hmm. I'm actually working on a character right now for a for a, a, a series and an objective person might say this per, this woman is horrible mm -hmm. but I can't say that mm -hmm. I have to figure out why she makes the choices that she makes based on her value system how she justifies it or even 
convinces herself that she's doing good in the world mm -hmm. with the actions that she takes that that an objective person might say that's horrific yeah and, and and that's the job that's what we do as actors you have to be able to make that i think a fassbender does this better than almost anyone he plays these characters that are just so like um 12 years a slave holy cow he, he really he really got inside that um that enslaver i think is the the terminology we use these days um and and was able to play him from a place of honesty that made the character much more horrific and also much sadder you know yeah like yeah so it's yeah i, I was gonna mention sam uh, sam jackson you know uh, at least oh, a yeah. few of, not not few it's at least three roles that i can think of off the bat in which he's playing uh, people who are um who are completely rationalizing their behavior and are okay with it but you know normal people would not yeah uh, yeah, yeah he plays them very truthfully and honestly which is you know you you if i think regardless of how horrible the character is if you are able to understand the character and you see the truth in it you are sympathetic to them in a way so we, right. we have a two-dimensional you know okay bad guy good guy we have somebody who you are really kind of struggling <laughs> struggling to understand and to uh, you don't want to root for them, but you understand their choices, and it's horrifying right. for thinking that you would understand the choices that they're making. But it's, it makes it interesting, right? And it also just—I th I think it makes us better humans to create complex characters like that because that's who we all are. You know, none of us are none of us are are all good or all bad, and the more that we can understand and allow for the fact that all of these things live within us that the the better the chance that we can be more understanding in our in our real lives you know yeah absolutely um i i wanted to ask you something i, I have a few more questions for you but i wanted to ask you something which is is a little weird question but it's um it speaks to uh, to kind of your choices and how you go about them, and it interests me in in a just a very curious way. Um, in doing my prep on you, I went to your website, I watched uh, your reels, and in your in your acting reel, uh, among the many characters that you're playing, there are two characters that you're playing that are nude, and in the acting reel, we see that it doesn't take away from the story at all because we're focused on your acting, but from a from an actor perspective who is displaying his reel, I I kept on going back and uh, and thinking to myself, would I want to show those uh, pieces? Uh, is that going to somehow you know limit the potential opportunities that I may be getting? Am I going to you know uh, turn some people off because they say, well, you should never have this on a reel? So you obviously included yeah. it. I wanted to know kind yeah. of your your you know, thinking thought process behind that. Um, well, first of all, I did edit them in such a way I believe that you don't see any, you don't see any bits and pieces. Um, you, you do, but not but really. But not really. It, 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 um, it was gratuitous. Yeah. 
tastefully done. Yeah, I, I try to make it PG for sure. Um, I'm not afraid to be mm -hmm. naked. So sorry, I thought I turned my notifications. Um, um, to be. <laughs> I it's telling me I have I have a filmmaking class soon. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm not afraid to be naked emotionally and I do not like any gratuitous nudity. That's not something that I seek out in my acting work, but mm -hmm in um, situations where it's justified by the story, I'm, I'm not afraid of it. And um, those two particular scenes are actually, I think some of my better television work. And that's mm -hmm. why I included them. Cause I, cause I thought the acting work was strong and um, yeah. yeah, that's basically it. I, and, and if people, don't want to work with me because of that, then it's they would have right. known that, you, you know, it's better for them to know up front because right. then rather rather than be surprised later, you know, but I, I don't, I'm not really into gratuitous stuff mm -hmm. at all, but, but I'm not afraid of being myself on camera, or at least mm -hmm. I try not to be. And that's, that's great. I, I was more thinking, from a agent or a manager or a casting director. Oh my of. gosh, my agent, she was like masters of sex. That's my favorite clip. <laughs> she loves it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and it's funny. And I did have like a, before I auditioned for that, I, I had a, a conversation with both my agent and my manager and they were sort of like, you know, who are both women. Um, and, and, uh, I said, I love this part. You know, I love the show. Um, do, do you think this is, a danger for me to do something like this where I had to book it. And they were like, you know, it's, if you think the story is good, if, if you believe in it, then do what you feel, you know, it's your decision. And, and that's what, and I asked, I did ask before I, for that one in particular, because that was, you know, I was the proprietor of a nudist colony. So it was, it was a lot of skin. Um, I asked my husband and I asked, more importantly, I asked my kids because I didn't want to be like, I was like, you guys, would you be like super embarrassed if <laughs> one of your friends said they saw, you know, your mom on TV and they were like, no, it's fine. Mom. <laughs> so Good. Yeah. yeah that's, um, and then uh, lastly, because I know you have a class to teach, <laughs> um, because you teach because you direct and because you act um if uh you have to define yourself which which is a silly way of looking at it but if you have to pick one that you're more passionate about rather than the other which one would it be of those three endeavors or writing let's throw writing into that as well <laughs> i don't think i can really choose between acting and directing I, I i feel like they're so wrapped up with each other and they feed each other so much and i love them both so much that um i get asked this question a lot and 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 i always wrestle with it um yeah. and i and i 
I think that's just where I have to I have to live in the uncertainty of 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 not knowing and and doing both. I will say about teaching, which I've done for many years, I'm I'm trying to actually back away from that a little bit um, because when I teach, I find that I I'm it's impossible for me to not like give everything right. and um and it and i i feel like i need to take a little time to to come back to me so mm -hmm. i'm actually planning to take a little bit of a break from teaching so i'm fit for the next couple of months i'm finishing up some some things and then i'm not going to teach probably for at least a year i'm going to take some time off um so we can but we can back burner that one for a while but um but acting and directing and uh yeah i guess that's part of the solo performance piece is like i get to do it all <laughs> and yeah. i can do it in quarantine <laughs> that's true yeah well um it's it's a pleasure talking to you, you lead a fascinating life and um it's really really interesting to kind of uh, uh to peel back the curtains for uh for an hour cool well thank you so much it's been really lovely chatting with you as well Thank you. And thanks to everybody for tuning in into another episode of The Love of Acting. We know you're as interested in it as we are, and this is why we continue doing this for you. Thank you.